original coin. It's Banksy Lee. You honor me with your presence. Crispy Lee. Pokemon so tiny hurts so much. Rat Pigler. Usually stronger than the average and has a friendly attitude. Is. Uh, throwback. We will not back down. Game on, everybody. It's the throwback. Jake Seeley, Chris Meany, Brad Ziegler. Football playoffs are here, and first week is done, and <laughs> I don't think a lot of people had what happened expected, but we're going to talk about that in full, and make sure you're following Chris at Chris Meany. Brad is at Brad Ziegler. I'm at All In Kid. If you're listening in the free verse out there, you can still go to theathletic.com slash the throwback and get 40% off. You can listen to all the podcasts, see all the articles, playoff advice, and then Baseball is already starting. Like the DVR is already on it. He's already got rankings before I have rankings for baseball. That's how you know we're on it. And basketball and hockey with Chris and great shows over there. But we're gonna jump right into. Actually, you know what? Before we even do, Chris, you feeling okay? I, I gotta. I feel like you went into that game not expecting much. Yeah, I didn't expect a whole lot. And then you know to see Wentz go down, I was just like right away when he went down. I was like, oh well, it's it's over. Like he's done, and and even still had like Josh two McCown or three chances. Gave him everything he could. Yeah, he he really did. He was like, you, you can't blame him at all. But it was just, I, I guess the Wentz injury was the final nail in the coffin sort of deal. But um, you know, they had what two or three legitimate drives there in the fourth quarter in the red yeah. zone at the end of the game, down by a score. Obviously, you have to convert the two point convo, but they were right there. So you, you know, you're gonna have that in the back of my. It's that's gonna be in the back of my mind for probably a few weeks, like, well, what if, you know, if Carson Wentz is playing, what if, how does that game change? Because, like I said, it was just a one-sport game. But, yeah, I mean, again, everybody was hurt. We've lost everybody this year, right? So. The, the best was the somebody that tweeted out and said they're they're down there, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, tight end. <laughs> like, it's just like oh, right tackle, left tackle. I, yeah. I do want to ask you kind of a different question with this, Brad. Like, as the former professional player, like, does something like that, if you were on the field and that was you or, you know, back when you were playing, to see, like, one of your best players, like, does it just take the wind out of you? Like, I mean, is it tough to even compete at that point when you know, like, now it's like, oh, my God, we're doing our backup court. Obviously, you play baseball, but you understand the point I'm making here. Yeah, no, it, I mean, it definitely affects you mentally. Um, to, to say it doesn't would, would be, you know, a complete – uh, just a complete lie, basically, because if you have it, it in baseball, you know, it's essentially like, okay, your your starting pitcher gets hurt in the second inning of a game, and you know, it's a must-win game, and you had your ace on the mound, and now you're going to your your you know, basically your fifth or sixth starter that's coming out of the bullpen that's a long reliever, and and basically hoping he has the game of his life to be able to keep you in it because you're probably going against another team's ace. Yeah, it, I mean, it. it there's no question it affects you and, and it takes a little bit too in, in football, especially it takes a little bit to get your rhythm going with the new signal caller, with the new, you know, a new guy behind center that hasn't been there, um, you know, for game snaps in quite a while. So, um, you know, it, and, and not only that, but the guys he's working with are all backups too. So, so it's, it's very possible that there was almost no chemistry there. They were trying to develop that over the course of the game. Yeah, so that was, was working for ESPN, Jake, to start the season. <laughs> I know. I, I still got to say, like, it's just like you're talking about Josh McCown, right? Yeah, Josh McCown. Yeah, yeah. One of three 40, 40-year-old quarterbacks who are bouncing. I was just going to say, but still, like, looking at him, though, I just feel like he's, like, the villain in, like, this <laughs> college bro frat type thing. Like, that, just yeah. that face, because it's so square. Like, it almost looked like he's, uh like, partly, like, related to Drago or something. Like, he just got that, like... <laughs> I mean, and and that, not only that, 
like he hurt himself at the end of the game too, right? He hurt himself a couple times. A couple times. He had that nice run where he ran for a first down. I was like, wow, okay, all right, because that will be there for you if you can do that once or twice, uh, a couple more times. And then he, it looked like he pulled his hamstring on the, maybe the second, the final drive. I don't think it was the final one. I think it was the one just before that, um, you know, where they had gone for it twice on fourth down in the red zone. But yeah, he was, he gave it everything, man. And it was pretty oh, no, emotional yeah. for him. He's crying. Yeah, I saw that. With, with, with Lance or with Ertz rather. But did you guys agree like that clowny hit was pretty nasty? That was pretty dirty. It, yeah. it, if, I, I think if it was I, college, he would have been ejected. Yeah, no question. And, and I, they came out afterwards and said it was incidental contact. Like he yeah, dove right. with his head trying to spear him. It looked like I thought it was, I don't know. I, I and I was, I, I was pretty neutral in the game. Uh, I got a brother-in-law from Tacoma that's a big Seahawks fan. So I, I didn't mind the Seahawks winning, but I, I had a lot more Eagles in my playoff pool because I thought I'd, they were going to win. And it was, it was just, just watching the game, I was just like, wow, that just seemed like a little over the top when I watched it. And I don't know. And that's but, the funny thing about whatever. the refs and what we're seeing, even with the, like the PI, which we're going to get to later on when we get to that game. But in that game, the, the, the unnecessary roughness that was called on the Saints where their receiver dove into him and was still underneath and didn't even go helmet to helmet. And they called it like right. just the inconsistencies are all over the place, but. And speaking of the inconsistencies, Chris, this is the only game I got right of all four. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Look, I went into the first one, like, I picked Buffalo. I just thought they were more complete. But that one I knew was like, that That was the one we talked about. It I was like, yeah, it's 50-50. I, I don't really have a good feeling about that one. But didn't expect the Patriots. Didn't expect the Saints. But so let's talk about, before we talk about Buffalo-Houston, let's talk about the biggest one. And I think, well, actually, you can make argument for either one. The two biggest ones. Tennessee goes into New England and wins. And, hey, I've never been more happy to be wrong. <laughs> I said there's no way the Patriots are ta- losing a home playoff game to the Titans, especially after just getting kicked in the face by the Dolphins the week before and losing a bye, and yet it happened. But it happened not because of Tannehill. It happened because of Derrick Henry, Chris. And here's where I'm going to turn this to you. for the, so We're going to talk about Tannehill in the passing game in a second, but Derrick Henry, we've talked about it at Briefly, you kind of mentioned it, our early mock draft, first round, and you consider it next year. I was sitting here having a conversation with a lot of guys who also do fancy stuff, uh, have a podcast and all that stuff. So I'm not doing it next year. And I'm not doing it because he doesn't pass catch it because he is going to get hurt. Like, he's too big. Like, I, I wish it wasn't true, but it's the same thing as Brandon Jacobs behind him, Ron Dane before him. And I know those are both terrible giants and they're not Derrick Henry, but when you're that big, your legs are just out there for the taking, and that's why he's always dealing with issues. And so it's like, I know he's missing two or three games. I know he doesn't pass catch. I just can't make the first round. You give him as a second round. You give him as an RB2. I'm taking it all day long. I just can't do it as like a top 10, 12 pick. Yeah, I get it. I, I feel like you've never been a Henry guy, though. I feel like you've always I was kinda... all day, all year long in the <laughs> DFS show. <laughs> yeah, you were. And he was a great play again yesterday in DFS. I mean, you're talking DFS. I mean, it's the strategy in, in week one of the playoffs or the wild card playoffs is the strategy all year. You pay up for the running backs. Him and Cook were, were phenomenal if you had them. And, and the, the cash game quarterback and Josh Allen all year, you were fine yesterday. But yeah. I get it. I understand what you're saying. You'll never get Henry in the second round. Um, I, I don't right. say that. I say that, but actually, I mean, I suppose in it's a possible full because there PPR, are, he might yeah, slip. In a, yeah, in a full PPR, because there still are people out there that are just like, no, even last year with the thousand yards and 16 games and he came on strong towards the end of the year. 
It's like, no. And then this year, 1,500 yards. It's like, yeah, well, he only catches 18 balls like you just talked about. It's it, almost a 1,000 of his yards this year have come in the second half. And I know you have said that a lot, too. You've talked right. about it before with Daniel Williams. and just the fact that he's just tough to tackle, and you get into the second half of games, and he just blows guys over. I mean, he, he well, had over it's not even just that, Chris. Half. It's the second half of the season, too. Like, before week nine – and you can jump in and then I'll let Brad, you just jump straight in. I don't need to cue you up for this, but before sure. week nine, two single digit performances, one game over 17 points. Now he did have 28 in the first week, but then 16, 11, 11, 13, 3.8, 17, 8.8, like nine. But the second half, 23, 32, 30, 24, 23, 8.6, 39. It's the same thing as last year. It's it's not just the second half of games, Chris. It's the second half of the season, too. So maybe it's let somebody else draft them in the first round and they go buy them in the middle of the season. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's certainly possible. I, go ahead, Brad. I mean, I'm in on him. I love him. I'm not, I'm not surprised that the Titans won, actually. I, I think Brad and I So you would take him in the first show. round. I would take him in the, oh yeah, I never took him in the first round on that mock. I would take I him in the first round. I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe Chubb ahead of him. I took him ahead of Chubb. But maybe Chubb with, you know, if no hunt there and he's going to catch a few balls, but I still think he's a back end first round pick. Yeah. And that, that's completely fair. The, the issue becomes for me is his workload right now. And I know he's a big guy, but he, he broke down late in the season. He missed a couple games and, and then got fresh for this game. But he's now, if you add in those 34 carries or whatever he had this week, he's now over 300 carries on the season. And even though he's not catching balls, you know, he's at what do you have? Maybe 20 catches this year. He, he, is just getting pounded like crazy. And I understand he's, he's built for contact. He's built to run over guys, but I, I am like Jake. I think he's going to get hurt at some point next year. And, and this year, the biggest thing I, I whiffed on him this year. And the biggest reason is because I, all my projections had Marcus Mariota being the quarterback. Of the whole season, <laughs> and I thought they would be terrible. I thought they would, they would have to use Deion Lewis more because they'd be trailing in more games. And I, I just didn't project that quarterback pick. And so everybody, I got hammered on Twitter the last couple of weeks because Derrick Henry led the league in rushing and, and you were so low on Derrick Henry, yada, yada, yada. Well, my projections had to do with the fact that I thought the Titans would suck because I, I, I had him as a five and 11 team and, and that's the trajectory they were on with Mariota at quarterback. It was, 100%. It was all, everything changed and, and you, you know, Tannehill didn't play great this weekend. He also like, they only <laughs> threw the ball 15 times. Like they didn't have to. And, and so he, he made throws when he needed to. He didn't kill him. They, you know, and they, they're going now to to Baltimore, and I think Baltimore. This is the one team coming out of the first weekend that I would not want to play. That Baltimore Texas or Baltimore Titans game is going to be a just a pound it, smash mouth in your face, run the ball, and let's see who's better at this, you or me. And it's no quarterback is. I don't feel like throwing the ball is going to win the game this week. Well, then let's stick with that. And to your point there, Brad, let's assume, I mean, I, even if the Titans lose, which I don't, I actually, I'm on the opposite. I think the Ravens run away with this, but you know, again, I went one and three in the first round. So don't listen to me. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the truth here is you talked about it. Let's, let's say Tannehill comes back. Like I think everybody out there assumes after what's gone on with the Titans this year, the switch that they made, honestly, if they went to them sooner, they might even be sitting with at the division or the home game or you know, a completely different situation. But in any case, assuming he's back, what are you looking at for the passing game? Because the passing game yesterday, for what you just mentioned, 15 completions, 15 attempts, eight completions, one for one for Mariota for a boy over there. But let's go down the list here. The leading receiver, two for 23, Anthony Fersker. One for 22 was Derrick Henry. Then one for nine, Janu. 
One for eight, Dion. One for six, Tajay Sharp. One for four, AJ Brown. Zero for zero on two targets for Corey Davis. So that's where I want to ask is, Brad, everybody's all over AJ Brown. Uh, there's still some hope out there that Corey Davis can pull to Devontae Parker. Jonathan Smith was looking great when he gets the opportunities, but are we downgrading because this game and this team can be so run heavy to win games with Derrick Henry? Like, are we almost going into next year to say, like, it's if Derrick Henry's healthy, almost fade the passing game? Uh, no. And the reason is because <laughs> that was, that's the, Everybody knew it. That was the way you beat New England. You could run on the buff, even the games that Buffalo lost this year, Buffalo ran all over New England. And that's just, you know, it was just the, the, the way to beat them. And I think that was just a, a game, a game plan specific, you know, outcome where it was like, look, we know we have an advantage here. We have the best running back in the league. He's bigger than almost everybody on their defense. We're going to just try to get him in space and let him run over those D-backs all day. And that's what happened. They can't do that against Baltimore. Excuse me, against Baltimore. <laughs> Baltimore like front you seven. Said D-backs. <laughs> <laughs> Baltimore, really Baltimore don't front like the seven. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Baltimore's front seven will, will control the game more than New England's did. And New England relied on their secondary all year. That was, you know, the, the plays that they were making to make their, their fantasy defense so good in the first half was all done by their secondary. It wasn't sack fumbles. It was interceptions for touchdowns. And they didn't give them a chance to let their, the strength of their defense decide the outcome. They said, look, we're going to attack your weakness. This happens to also be our strength. When you're going against Baltimore, you can't do that. They're going to have to throw the ball more. I'm, I'm, I'm not in on, on, Oh, Corey Davis. I, I, I don't, I just don't buy. He's going to do team next year. Yeah. Yeah, he may be. And, but AJ Brown, I, I'm back, back in on this week. I'm okay with Johnny Smith. Um, you know, I think the Ferkser stuff was a, you know, kind of a little, just a fluke. I think Johnny was the, the guy there that they won in the middle of the field. Um, but they're not going to be able to run the ball 34 times for 200 yards in this next game. I even threw it out is the over under reception for Johnny Smith was 2.5. And I said, that's a seven and three against the spread. And I was like, I'll take that. I'll take 70% odds every single time. Didn't hit. I lost money. I'll be honest right there. Still seven and four. But if Chris, you know, this, you guys did the, the line show is if you told me 70%, I'm going to bet it every single time. <laughs> You're giving me that kind of chance. I'm going to take it every single time. And it didn't hit. And I bring up AJ Brown and you know this and uh, Brad, we weren't doing a show yet initially, but we were after that. But Chris knows like, I know you know how much I love AJ Brown. But at the same time, five games with five or more or over five targets, only two games with over five reception. That's the concern is he does so much with so little because this team is so run heavy. And I'm I'm obviously playing devil's advocate here because everybody loves AJ Brown, but does that creep into your mind for next year? Because I think we're assuming like Delaney Walker might be done as well. Like with Johnu and AJ Brown in drafts right now. I mean we're at a minimum he's out of out of Tennessee. Yeah. So right. So where are you, Chris, where are you putting Jono and AJ Brown as of today? Are you more with Brad or are you more with me? Um, I'm, I'm probably more with you on AJ. I'm a little hesitant to draft. Like, I, I'm, I'm gonna be fine with Henry another year. I see what you guys are saying. He's probably gonna break down eventually. Yeah, I mean, he's just getting a we ton of work. Out of it. No, I mean, I take him in the first round again, but maybe like talking, if you have him in a dynasty league, maybe it's now, maybe it's Maybe now is the time to sell high in this guy, potentially, knowing that in a couple years we really could see uh, the downhill with some of these running backs. But 
for AJ Brown, it's it's amazing. You just pair his numbers up. We've said this all year with just the yards per run and, and his explosiveness. You can't take any of that away, but you just put his numbers up to DeAndre Hopkins. They both over a thousand yards. Hopkins like flirts with a hundred catches, and AJ Brown flirts with fifty. It's 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 hard for it's going to be hard for AJ Brown to put up a very similar stat line next season, I think. But even still, he's very boomer bust. We've said that he's going to have these games where. He wins you a week, and he's going to have other games where he just doesn't show up because this is a run-heavy team, and they want to rely on Derrick Henry. And Brad's absolutely right. This is the exact way to beat the Patriots, and this is why I had them to pick the Patriots because they haven't been able to stop the run. He mentioned Frank Gore earlier. Frank Gore had 100 yards on the ground against New England Patriots defense this season. So it, it, I don't think they'll be able to have that success next week against Baltimore, but there have been some games Brad against the Chiefs when the Titans went into and beat Kansas City. I think actually that game may have been in, Tans- in Tennessee, but yeah. it was the same sort of thing. Nobody else was catching any balls. I think, Jake, it was Jonu Smith who led the team with, with just a right. handful of catches. It was nobody else there. So I think Smith has the potential to be a top-10 tight end. I think they'll probably bring in another wide receiver because they need somebody else on the other side of A.J. Brown. But this is still going to be a run-heavy team. I guess to answer your original question, I'll probably be <laughs> out on Brown next next year. As a third-round pick, I'll probably be out. Drop Just look at, look at the game log here for, for Tannehill and that the games Tannehill. against the teams that you could – sorry, Tannehill. But the games against <laughs> the teams right, that Brad. you could – This guy went into New England and won a playoff game. Give him some props. All right, all right, all right. I, it's, I, I love okay, Tannehill. Okay. I, I like – I mean, you know, when he became the starter from week seven on, QB two on the season behind Lamar Jackson, that, that's, that's unbelievably impressive. But look at the games where they played teams that they could run the ball against. When he played the Chiefs, week 10, the Chiefs couldn't stop the run all year. He had 19 attempts, 181 yards. Yeah, he threw two touchdowns. One of them was at the very end, like in a two-minute drill to win the game. Then the next next game after the bye against the Jaguars, 18 attempts. Jaguars couldn't stop the run all year. Derrick Henry ran all over him. That's that's the game plan. Now, when they played teams that you couldn't run on or that you could throw on, it's a whole lot different. He plays against the Raiders, 391 yards, three touchdowns. Texans, 279 yards, two touchdowns. Saints, you weren't going to run on the Saints in the middle all year. 272 yards, three touchdowns. He, There is an opportunity in the right matchup. I just feel like these guys are extremely matchup dependent with do I go with Derrick Henry this week or do I go with Tannehill and, and A.J. Brown and, and maybe Tony Smith. The thing is he's going to have to throw the ball a little bit more, right? New England That's the thing. For, they, they, New England – all year, they haven't been built to come from behind. They just haven't. They, their offense hasn't been there. Their defense has been great. They've stopped the pass. They've been leaky on the ground, but they haven't been able to come from behind. So if Baltimore does exactly what we think they're going to do and is going to be able to have success and throw some touchdowns and have success on the ground running the football, Dan Hill is going to have to throw the ball a little bit more. So we'll see him tested more. But even looking at the last few games where the Ravens have played, and I know it, you know, maybe as much hasn't been at, at stake for them because they've, they've basically had everything on lockdown for a few weeks now. But some backs have had some pretty decent games against them. Snell just came off the 91-yard game, fine week 17. Bell's one of his better performances, almost flirted with 100 yards. He hadn't done that all year. Mostert had 146 on them. Remember when we said that in San Fran? There's no way that they're going to be able to run the football against Baltimore. And Mostert has mm-hmm. his coming out party, and he, he balls out. Mix in week 10 had over 100 yards against them. So I still think that Henry is going to get to that century mark. He, he, and it's almost a, it's almost a given, especially if he's going to touch the ball twenty. No, and yeah, we're doing we're previewing a little bit what we're going to be doing on Wednesday anyway. So this is kind of more about the concern of the passing game for next year. If Tannehill's often throwing at only twenty, 
maybe 25 times, you're going to have to be remarkably efficient. And then AJ Brown's going to be sure. remarkably efficient. And John is. And, but before we get to the other three games, uh, we have like breaking news as we're recording. So, hey, you know what time we're recording the show because it just happened while we're recording this show. Mike McCarthy is officially the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys because uh, they finally cut the cord with Jason Garrett yesterday. Like the worst divorce ever. Like, oh my God, just. Seriously, and like, did you see the I, reports? Like he let them fire him. What was that's, that? That's just he was. Yeah, that was what, bizarre. Well, it's like let them fire. That's to me. That just sounded like his contract had a few more days, and maybe there was something in it where if he gets fired, he got kicked an extra few bucks or something. I don't know. Or like maybe he just said, "Fine, don't pay me the last week or whatever." Who the hell cares? Whatever. Yeah. That's just yeah, like sure. I like I tweeted this out, Chris. I said this is this is the win the breakup and both parties come out looking like crap. Like this, that's exactly what yeah. this was. But well, the problem when you're interviewing guys while you still have a coach under contract, that's like that's just a really bad way to do business and. I don't know. It, it just, it, the fact that all that came out, maybe they were hoping that none of that would come out, but it, you got to think that they at least were, were good enough with Garrett that they told him, look, we're, we're going to wait and announce this until that, you know, it looked like basically they wanted to try to fire him right in the middle of the Eagles playoff game. And that way they could steal some of the, the thunder, you know, <laughs> well, they, they did. I might text me that. Yeah. It said Jerry Jones couldn't handle the year Eagles playing. He had to like, fire <laughs> at that moment. Yeah. All right. So um, Mike McCarthy uh, comes in. And of course it's take century on Twitter right now because everybody wants to get their takes out first. Uh, the only one I read through and tweet retweeted just because it's Emery Hunt of our site. Uh, he tweeted out, I actually like this move. The Cowboys personnel on offense, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end reminds me a lot of the offense McCarthy ran back in not Green Bay, New Orleans. So how do you feel? So he, so he had no tight end. Is that what he's? <laughs> I mean, essentially, but you know, that's the, so look, we assume we're going to get West Coast style. Randall Cobb has already come out and talked about that he loves it and, you know, had a great time with obviously some of his best years. He's also playing with Aaron Rodgers, but Dak Prescott, for as many problems as this team did have this year with their own health, with Amari Cooper, with Dak Prescott getting hurt at times and having some down games himself, there was, you could argue that Dak Prescott had a breakout of sorts. So, Chris, your initial reaction, hearing Mike McCarthy, for fantasy purposes, that's what we care about on this show, for fantasy with Dak, and if Amari Cooper is back, as they assume, you know, they trade a first-rounder, it's going to be hard for them not to say, hey, or at least franchise them. I don't know if they can. I assume they can. But in any case, the team is back as constructed as of today, as Brad alluded to, with essentially no tight end. How do you feel about this team for next year? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a big McCarthy guy. Like, I guess from fantasy, it could be fine, but I thought towards the end of his tenure in Green Bay, he was just, I, I thought the game plans weren't great. The designs weren't great. Him and Aaron Rodgers, I guess, maybe they were just sick of each other and, you know, all those reports of Rodgers changing play calls in the huddle and just not really buying into anything McCarthy was, was selling at that moment. Maybe that was just a disconnect that they had between each other. I, I think from a fantasy standpoint, it's going to be fine because they have all those weapons, but I think they need to get back to to run, running the football with with Zeke, I understand it's nice with Dak and all those weapons to throw the football around. But you look at the, the top few teams in the NFL who led the league in passing; they're not playing this weekend. The Baltimore, San Francisco, so Tennessee, you East say Seattle, that. those are the top four rushing teams in the NFL. They're all playing football this week. Use Zeke, right. and I think so, that should. Be well, the I was gonna say. So you say that, and so are you like? Are we going back to like the Amon Green days, and then, like that's maybe because I don't know because the last half Ooh. of McCarthy with the Packers, it's not you good. know. 
he wasn't great with the running. No, but early McCarthy with the Packers. Yeah, you know, there's there's the running back. So, I, I mean, do you think that's going to work here? It's going to be West Coast style. So, mm-hmm. I th- I think I think it could work. Yeah, I mean, maybe they'll be a little bit more aggressive offensively. I think that's where they really needed the change on on offense. Is is crazy? It is. Dak put up all these numbers, and Zeke still had decent games. I just think some of the play calling. I thought they played a little conservative at times. I thought they got away from the run when they shouldn't. Uh, and a lot of Dak's big yardage came in garbage time when when the game was already out of the hand. And so I think I, I think the move is fine. Again, I'm not a big McCarthy guy. There was I, I don't even know who else was really rumored to get this job, but I, I'm a little so-so. I'm, I guess I'm on the fence. I'm not a big McCarthy guy. <laughs> Brad, yeah, and I I think it's I think it's actually a pretty good move. Um, I I do think that. I, I think even the the issues he had, he and Aaron Rodgers had, was probably understated because the more I've heard about Aaron Rodgers, you know, coming out here later in his career with with guys leaving the Packers and then talking about it, it sounds like he was the one that he wanted to be. <laughs> and he basically got McCarthy fired. Like that's, you know, it, it was like him or me kind of scenario. And and if that's the case, like there – there's just so much disconnect there that the coach has already lost the locker room. And, and so it, I think McCarthy going in now that he's especially refreshed, rejuvenated with a, a year or two off, like I, I think it's going to make a, a pretty big difference um in, in his energy. And he's got, I mean, he does have good weapons around him. He's got a good offensive line. He's an offensive minded coach. I think the biggest key is going to be what they do on defense to, to, shore up their defense when they go on the road. Well, if it's bad, like history, they're going to ignore it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's the question is, what, what, you know, what's he going to do? I don't know what, what, you know, what's Jerry going to allow him to do? How much player control does he have? Or, or is it all Jerry at that point? Yeah, that's going to be, it's going to be very interesting. I think this is honestly my initial reaction as of today is fine. Good for Cooper. Maybe even a light, slight tick for Randall Cobb. Have to see what happens at tight end. But if it's McCarthy and the way he with the Packers, who cares? There's not going to be a relevant tight end, as Brad just said. Fine for Ezekiel Elliott. Maybe a little more dump off swarm. But my one concern is now Michael Gallup, just from the style of this offense. And look, he could succeed. If we've seen it before, like maybe in the kind of the James Jones role. But it, I mean, we're not talking Aaron Rodgers. We're talking Dak Prescott. So I do have a little bit of concern. That's the only way. I'm with, I'm more Brad. I like the move. But if we're, you know, breaking down everybody involved, like that's the one area I'm a little bit concerned. But all right, let's, let's continue. Let's get back to, I, I, would you guys agree that the bigger shocker was the Vikings over the Saints than the Titans yes. over the Patriots? Yes. yes. Yeah. I think, yeah. Okay. I mean, three I of us Titans. had Titans. Yeah. We had Titans to win the game, yeah. Jake. And, the, and the Saints, on our I had the Saints in the Super Bowl. So yes, me too. <laughs> so Saturday was great. I mean, had Buffalo as well. I felt like they gave that game away, and then and then you see the Titans win the game. It's like, yes, you're feeling great. Then your Super Bowl pick goes bye bye. Saints, yeah, so, heartbreaker. Well, so as for everybody out there, this is why I did tears inside the rankings column because my Super Bowl winner is already out the winner. So or out the winner, out the window. So. Yep, there you go. That's out there. So, but like you said, anybody on earth, I mean, you can just look at DFS ownership. Everybody's taking Drew Brees and they're at home. They're facing the Vikings pass defense. And for whatever reason, I'm asking D'Angelo about that on the show tomorrow. I'm asking what the hell, like when do you, when you have a game plan that should be in front of you and says, Hey, attack the secondary and you dink and dunk and run these like screens and bit, like what the hell's going on? Like I'm, I'm genuinely curious if he can explain that for us. But as of now, Assuming Drew Brees is back, Chris, let me put it this way. 
is Drew Brees, who the Drew Brees is now, today, because of what fantasy is now, today, because of the rushing upside now, today. Is Drew Brees even a QB1? Question mark next year. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't think that he is. Um, did he even finish as a QB one this year? Well, he uh, missed games. He missed some games, but like a point per game setting. I'll check I don't on points know. per game. Yeah, points per game. I think he's probably like borderline. He did. He's number okay. ten on points per game. So he's yeah. right there with Matt Ryan. So I, I yeah. is he not just Matt Ryan now? Yeah, I mean, he's probably Matt Ryan. He's got obviously we know about Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara catching balls in the backfield. We know. About you know who's splits. right there with him in points per game? Um, no. Ryan Tannehill and Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones. It Jones is like Jameis Winston. You said it numerous times. Ah, uh, yeah, but the rushing yeah, upside, big, big games, and then Josh Allen's upside, yeah. right behind him, rushing well, that's upside. That's the thing is that Breeze doesn't have that, right? So when he has right. these dead games from a fantasy standpoint, I know we're not talking so much about fantasy with this game, but for next season, when he does have the dead games, especially on the road, because the splits are are absolutely a thing. They were a thing again this season, even though he's a little bit better on the road. You look at the home and away numbers; they're absolutely night and day. So when he has those dud games, he's he's going to give you a dud performance in fantasy. Whereas Lamar Lamar Jackson, if he doesn't throw a touchdown, he's still going to get you double-digit fantasy points because he's right. going to maybe run one in or, or come away with 60, 70 rushing yards. So, yeah, I think maybe borderline I'll probably have him like looking right now is like a QB 12. He's not going to be on my radar. Is that somebody that I'm going to want to draft? But if he falls down the board, sure. But I give a lot of credit to the Vikings. This is another win from them. They just seem to have the Saints number. I thought the defense was phenomenal. They dialed up some pressure. Like, Breeze hadn't really been sacked and pressured all year. And, and he sacked three times. He had that fumble. I mean, he he definitely didn't look good. But when Taysom Hill is comes away with the most rushing yards on your team, he catches a touchdown, and he throws like a 50-yard bomb, that's concerning. Well, so I'll start there. I was going to start somewhere else, but Taysom, they let Taysom Hill dictate too much of this offense. And I know he's not like they got going for them though, Brad. Like, it, but he, he's, it wasn't for he's him not that because winning they, points. you have the yeah. best receiver. You have one mm-hmm. of the most explosive running backs and you give, you give Kamara seven carries. Are you kidding me? Like, it doesn't matter if it's against Minnesota. Like you, you have to get Kamara way more touches. I know he had eight catches, but they were all like, Dump offs they behind the line of like scrimmage. Pattern running yeah. yeah, oh yeah. It, and so it, it was just kind of like, here you take the ball because I'm about to get hit. It wasn't Kamara running routes. It wasn't Kamara a screen for Kamara anything like that. They completely got away from their game plan when Taysom Hill started having a good game, and it, then it was like, I, I don't know. I I just I think Taysom Hill. I know he's explosive, and I know like they have done a lot of gadget stuff with him. I think he disrupts this offense when he's becomes more of a focus compared to what they could be. And Jake, I, I I'm not sure. I was looking at the points per game. I'm seeing Breeze in the top five in every site that as points per game. And so I I don't know. I'm not sure. You had him. At, you said you saw him at number ten. Yeah. On NFL.com, he's he's number five, twenty point four points per game. So um, it, he was. It's extremely effective when he played. And the, the biggest question to me is just whether or not he's going to retire. If he retires, then then fine. If he doesn't retire and he's healthy, then I think he's going to be fine because they've, got, they've still got weapons around him. Taysom Hill's a restricted free agent, which will be interesting to see, like, how how much do they actually value him? And, and if they go and match a, an offer sheet that he gets and it's a decent amount of money, this concerns me for Kamara going forward. And I, I said it on Twitter yesterday. I was kind of saying it tongue-in-cheek that, that – you know, Taysom Hill really hurts Kamara's value, but he does because they get so gadgety with him in, on the field that 
it, it, it just takes, takes Kamara out of their, their flow. And you're talking a top five running back in football. That's, it's just mind blowing to me how they let that happen. Yeah, I was looking at FFPC, so, I mean, that's, okay. I guess, I guess it's a little bit, oh, yeah, NFL.com, right? So there you go. So even higher than that. Uh, the biggest thing is, I'm, I'm trying to pull, I didn't get to it before he finished. I was trying to pull up to say, I was assuming there's probably like a negative depth of target for Alvin Kamara in that game, which just, oh, I, yeah. I, I just, yeah, so it was, it was ridiculous. let me ask you guys about this. So we said Drew Brees, we don't need to talk about Michael Thomas and Jared Cook is still going to be back. So people are going to draft him as a top 10, probably even top five tight end and kind of had his breakout season for consistency at least. But Alvin Kamara, what are we doing next year? Are we drafting Alvin Kamara in the first round? I'm not even talking about as an RB1 because I think he's still going to sneak in there just on the upside alone. But in the first round, do you take him, Brad? I wouldn't. Not, I mean, let's, Let's put it this way. If they bring Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill back, I would not because I, I just think there's too much of a split there. And even if, you know, whether Breeze retires or not doesn't matter to me because I think Bridgewater can be good enough. Um, but I, I probably would look at like maybe the, the 14th, 15th pick at the earliest because I just think there's that many guys that are, that are going to be used more than him. Yeah. I, I, I'm a little, um, I'm a little, I'm a, I think I'm on your side too, Brad. I, I'm not crazy. I think Alvin Kamara is a terrific talent, but yeah, how they used him this season and y- yesterday was definitely puzzling. I agree. If Hill is in there, you know, you're going to see these zone reads and it's not exactly yesterday. And, and I, for the most part, I usually agree with you too on, on that. Like they use him too much and it gets away from their offense. Even when they were rolling in the past, like, oh, they just marched up down the field and all of a sudden they're in the red zone. And Breeze is on the sidelines. Like, what are you guys doing? Like, sometimes that's Sean Payton overthinking it. But I thought yesterday he gave them a bit of a spark when they couldn't really get anything going. I mean, Breeze underthrew a deep ball that was picked. He had that fumble that I talked about. Hill threw the ball downfield, set them up for the touchdown. He caught that pass. He ran the ball well in a couple of, like, runs that he had. But, I mean, Alvin Kamara as a top five, top seven pick is probably where he's going to go, Jake. I don't like that. I don't like to draft a back that's only probably going to get, on average – 11 to 12 carries a game. Let's be honest. He's, no, he's, if, if things stay how they are. Yeah. If things do stay how they, Latavius Murray's still hanging around there. I know he's not a huge thorn in, in Kamara's side, but he's still there. He's still a threat to take away a few more carries. So, I mean, you look at Kamara and for the most part, he, he, he has more receiving yards than rushing yards. I'm, so that's, that's a bit of a red flag for me to draft him that early. I don't think Breeze is going to go out on this way, is he? No. Uh, it's another heartbreak of three straight walk-offs? Three straight? <laughs> so it's the first team. F- Field Yates tweeted that out. It's the first team in NFL history to have five eliminations in a row of one score or fewer or less, whichever way the correct grammar you saw me out there while well, actually me on Twitter. Uh, the other side of it is since 2002 to 2005, it happened to the Packers too. Um, or I guess that would be 2002 to 2004. Anyway, it was three straight walk-off plays where that's happened, and that was the last time it was the Packers had that happen to them before that. So either way, yeah, it's a gut punch. And the way that it's happened a couple times with some of the calls, and then, good God, at least review it. Like, at least after what just happened to them last year, at least give them the satisfaction of going to look at it. It was like, a penalty, like, in my opinion. It, it, he pushed off twice. Yeah, and penalty. 
but they're not going to look. I understand they weren't going to overturn it because if they haven't overturned what they're going to overturn this year, then we've we've already had that conversation on the show. Then get rid of the damn rule. Either right. fire the referees that aren't going to do it because they're basically pompous assholes at this point. Let's just be honest, because that's exactly what the referees are doing. They're saying, "Screw your rule. We're going to do what I'm going to do." It's freaking Cartman. <laughs> I do what I want. Like, <laughs> screw you. I'm doing what I want. Like, we don't care how egregious this is. We're sticking with the play on the field unless it's 99.9 percent. Like, we can't. No, and so. So it wasn't going to get overturned, but I agree with you, Chris. So if that's not going to happen, then why do we put the rule in the first place? They made that rule for this play. They made that rule for something like that to happen in the playoffs in the final play of the game so that they could re- review it and get it right. And they were on the wrong side of it again. It's crazy. I would be I would be so ticked off as a Saints fan today. Saints have boycott the league next year. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's crazy. Brad, was that not a penalty? Is that a push off? Uh, I, I thought it was, but I, based on the way they'd done it all year, I didn't think there was any way they were going to overturn it on right. replay. So, right. Exactly. Yeah. So so it it should have, it should have probably been called at the time. At the same time, I, they, I saw a camera angle. I think it was on the, the NBC, like the, the football night in America stuff, the pregame. They were showing it from the angle, almost the angles that the referees were looking at, and you couldn't see it from their direction. You couldn't see him extend the arm because they they just didn't have that's a good angle. It. If and, only we had cameras that caught it. Yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. And that's but but when the way they did it all year, like it wasn't it wasn't egregious. I will say that I I do think he, he pushed off, but it wasn't you know it wasn't getting blasted like the Rams did to their their receiver last I, year. Look, I gotta be honest. If that happened this year, I'm pretty sure they still wouldn't overturn it at this point for what they've done so far this year. All right, so in this game in general, I think that we've kind of covered everything. We don't need to talk about it. I already said his name, and I promised I would never say his name on this show, and I wasn't even thinking when I did it. A couple nice grabs from him yesterday. (laughs) Not talking about him. Like I, I even said, like I said this on Pat show because I did the DFS show with him last week for these matchups, and I said, look, I'm, I, Still can hate the guy and admit that he finally had his breakout season. Like I said, for consistency, the biggest thing was always the problem was trying to predict his five or six good games. If Drew Brees is back, yes, Jared Cook deserves to be a top 10 next year. Here's the problem. You guys both know this. He'll, if Jared, if Jared Cook stays, which he should because I think he's got two years, or I think they eliminated the last year and he's only got one year left. It's some weird thing. Anyway, he's back next year. If Drew Brees comes back, tell me I'm wrong. He's going as the tight end off the board after the big three. Uh, maybe not Ooh. for me. I wouldn't do it. Uh, no, no, I'm just saying yeah, we wouldn't do it. But that's where yeah, he's yeah. going to. He will go in front if you look at it. Because if you look at where he finished in the points per game, and if you look at more for when he was healthy through the second half, it's either going to be him or Mark Andrews or Darren Waller. And there's going to be people taking him because they're going to say, "Oh, like, can you imagine if he just would have caught 800 yards?" He'll here, here's the argument. I'm going to put it. Wait for the articles next year. He only caught 43 balls and still had nine touchdowns. Yeah, and a lot of them have come in his last few games. I think like nine in the last eight. But yeah, you're probably right. People will do it. I'm, I'll probably lean Waller and Andrews. Maybe even Look Cooper. at Jared Cook yeah. since week 10, Chris. There's your second right. argument. You can even go before that, like week, week eight, week well, the, seven. Yeah, the two, yeah, the two game, yeah, the two touchdowns in five and six before he got hurt. Yeah, you yeah. have a pretty solid campaign considering the fact that he only had 65 targets. Right, he's yeah. usually only two or three grabs from him. Uh, I don't want to talk about him anymore. <laughs> Can we just give, before we move on from this game, let's give Kirk Cousins some credit because all I all said that yesterday, everywhere, 
Yeah, same. I tweeted too. No, 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 I didn't even tweet it out. I was, uh, that wasn't like, uh, sorry, that sounded so like, oh, I did it. There's a, I had a friend who was here as a Vikings fan. I told him, I said, before you come in here, I'm rooting for the Saints all day long. <laughs> and, then, and same, I was rooting for the Saints too. I mean, we all had them to go deep. And I, I said what you just said, Chris, go ahead. I said, I said, your, your boy's playing better than people want to give him credit for. Yeah, it was again, good for Kirk Cousins. He, he stepped up all, all I heard all week is that Kirk Cousins can't win the big game. And it's so true, but all the graphics, it's playoff games, um, primetime games, games, teams against teams with over a 500 record. Like everything was just like Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins can't do this, can't do that. He stepped up. He made a couple big, big plays. It was good that he had Adam Thielen because he hadn't had Adam Thielen for weeks. And Thielen showed up in a big way yesterday. He looked like the Thielen of old. So good for Kirk Cousins. And I don't think that they're going to go into San Fran, but they're not then win, but they're not going to be a pushover. And now that Cousins has that first win, that he can relax a little bit. And I thought his post game speech was phenomenal. I do like that, Kirk. <laughs> yeah, it, it was good. Good for him for sure. I mean. In reality, I didn't see a whole lot out of him outside of that that overtime throw to Thielen. That was a big time ball. The rest of the game, I thought he was pretty pedestrian. And they, you could tell their game plan was get the ball to Dalvin Cook. We haven't used this guy in a couple of weeks because uh, he, he's been banged up. You know, twenty eight carries, three, you know, five targets in the passing game. It was the Dalvin Cook show. And I, I am really nervous next year, going into next year, ranking these wide receivers. I have like I don't know how you can put Stephon Diggs in the top 36 wide receivers. I know talent-wise he should be there, but when Thielen is on the field, they basically don't use Diggs, and it's it's kind of mind-blowing to me because he should be a matchup. And I know he was frustrated on the sideline yesterday, but when you win the game, like he's going to keep his mouth shut. And it would have been interesting to see if the Saints had ended up winning that game. The the microphones in Diggs' face yesterday would have been interesting because he was not happy most of the time. And it's was that a you know, lot of I don't know Diggs? it's. Was that just, what? we're not even going to bother throwing to him? Cause a lot of more was out of the game. He was hurt. He, he was out of the game late, but I mean, early on in the year or in the game, like you said, Brad, they didn't even throw his way. Like that's why he was, he, I mean, he was throwing this he football. He was throwing a pitch to fit. Toss his helmet on the sidelines and they're in a playoff game and they're up on Guess the road. Guess what? Like, You're down, facing right? Lattimore. Right. And as I said, how many times since it happened, the mo- one of the most overlooked moves of this season was the pickup of Jenkins for this team. And I mean, you're, so when you're not facing him, you're getting Jenkins dropping down on you. Like he was, he had Lattimore or Jenkins on him for like the majority of the game. Oh, what, what a big problem there. This I'm sorry. <laughs> and that's probably hey, you know going to be the hey, thing going I, forward. Jake is when a top yeah. corner is going to shut him down. It's the, I was going to say, you know what? Be a better receiver. How about that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Get open. Yeah. And, and the bigger, the bigger issue is if he's legitimately open and they're not even looking his way, that's a totally different scenario because it, it's, you're going up to the line of scrimmage and being like, okay, where's Lattimore? Oh, he's on digs. All right. I'm not even looking there. And if that's the issue, then I think he's got a beef because there were, they showed some replays where he looked like he was at least open and, and cousins wouldn't even turn in his body that way. And you well, know, see, it, that's it, why we've talked about this before, Brad. Well, they it, cried it, earlier in the year about this. Too. No, 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 not even the cried. Well, so this, this is something I broke down. I pretty sure we did it on this show. If not, I know we did it on Pat's show a lot. And what I came to, this is early in the season, saying the same thing. This is for everybody next year. This is something you know. You can play the matchups with Thielen and Diggs because all you need to know is who gets quarterback pressure. If you get quarterback pressure, Kirk Cousins thinks quickly. When he thinks quickly, he finds Diggs because Diggs breaks free quicker. He runs the better routes. He's gets the better separation. When he has time to think, 
he goes to Thielen and Kyle Rudolph and looks to other options. And that's what you're talking about, Brad. He wasn't looking at things because when he has time to think, he gets more aggressive mentally. You go back to watching him at the Washington Redskins, and when he would look downfield and he had time there when they actually had a decent offensive line, he would go over top of wide open, middle of the field, Jordan Reed, to throw it to Deshaun Jackson in double coverage because he has time to think and wants to be more aggressive, and that's always been the big complaint with Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I I mean, I agree. And and we talked about it when we were doing weekly rankings all year long. Like it, you know, who who's who's playing, who's on the field, who's on the field defensively, who's got a good pass rush. It it all factors in. And if and literally if he if he doesn't throw, let's say at the end of that game they hand the ball off to Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook gets his third touchdown of the game and that's how they win the game. Do people react the same way to Kirk Cousins after the game because he ends up with with, you know, 237 yards and no touchdowns? You'd have been like, ah, he was a game manager, you know. Yeah, he Tannehilled it. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was essentially because he threw a jump ball to to Kyle Rudolph, and Rudolph pushed off. Like, if they if if they call that pass interference and they end up settling for a field goal there, I, I think everybody's tune toward Kirk Cousins completely changes today. All right, so two more situations to talk about before we get out of here. And so let's go back to that first game. Let's go back to the Bills and the Texans. Like I said, I'm not surprised the Texans won. I thought this was a coin flip. Uh, and the Bills had their opportunity. Honestly, the Bills of the first half should have walked away with this. The Bills in the second half were not the Bills. They deserve to lose that game at that point. But, Chris, going into next year, Josh Allen, Devin Singletary, John Brown, and Cole Beasley – your appeal factor for drafting them and like where would you put them as of today? And I'm not talking about specifically like I want to know Devin Singletary's RB17, but you know, where do you feel about these guys for next year as of today? Yeah, I'm going to like them all. I mean, maybe Cole Beasley is, is whatever. I mean, I drafted Cole Beasley in so many leagues this year and I had already cut him before he got going. So I'm not surprised to see him. Do you know where Cole Beasley finished offense. this year? Geez, he may have finished as a wide receiver three in a half point. 34 yeah. and half point PPR. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was really dominant over the last few weeks of the season. He's yeah, twenty eight in PPR. So yeah, I like this Bills team. I like their offense. I think we've been in on them since day one. Here as a show, we liked Allen. We liked the the additions that they made. Right, Allen was throwing the ball to nobody last year. Nobody. People got excited about Robert Foster before they brought in John Brown and Cole Beasley, Isaiah McKenzie. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I think that Allen's going to take another step forward. I think we said this on the show too, like first time playoff quarterbacks. I mean, at least in this decade, eight and 15, you look at last year, Trubisky, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, these guys all lost their first playoff games. I think it was only Mahomes that won it. And you just saw, at least I saw it. They gave that game away and look, and Josh Allen looked rattled. He looked shook. He was obviously those two big plays where he couldn't take sacks. He took sacks on the lateral. What was he thinking on that? Like he's just the adrenaline rush and playing your <laughs> yeah. first playoff game. It's, it's just absolutely nuts. So I think that he can still take another leap forward next year. I think Singletary is, he's definitely a guy that I want to target next year. It's like him and Miles Sanders really, they, they over the second half of the season, they really stepped up their game. I don't know why Frank Gore is touching the ball as much as he did in that game, but I think Singletary, you just look at the last few weeks, he was around, touching around 20 times and really flirting with 100 total yards. So I like him. I'm going to be in on him next year. I think he's going to be a solid RB2. Could have the upside to, to flirt with a low-end RB1, but Brown will also be in on. So I, I, I like all the Bills. Yeah, I like them all. Is Josh Allen going to get probably disrespected again in drafts? He probably won't be ranked as a top ten quarterback consensus wise. He won't be, and he, he and, and consensus wise he may not. But he, in reality, he has to be. Like that from week seven on this year, he was the QB three. I mentioned earlier, Tannehill was the number two. He was the QB three. Ryan Fitzpatrick was the QB four. 
And I realized there's some bye weeks mixed in there and some people didn't have bye weeks. So, you know, but you're just looking at a, a points per game thing, even from an average standpoint, he was a QB seven. So he's, he, he just gives you too big of a floor. And even, even if you're in a playoff fantasy league, yes, he's not moving on, but look at what he did this week. He ran for 92 yards and, and could have very easily, you know, he loves to call his own number inside the the five yard line. So if they had ever gotten an opportunity, he could have very easily rushed for a touchdown too. In addition to catching one, yeah. um, you know, which which a lot of people probably didn't didn't project. But um, it, it's just ah, I missed that. He, he has yeah. to be. He has to be <laughs> a top ten. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the jokes aside, I was looking at props, and I know you just brought up uh, Johnny Smith prop. And it, and Allen first touchdown was plus nine fifty. I'm like, ah, what's the chances he runs one in? Oh, he caught one. Okay, first touchdown. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dang. <laughs> so, but it, I mean, there's there's no way. This is this is fantasy football today. The quarterbacks that are mobile are are, are mobile. However, you want to if you want to be from England, it's mobile. Then you're gonna be they're gonna be <laughs> for Ryan Tannehill plays. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're, they're gonna be top twelve quarterbacks because they they will give you a floor, a consistency every single week. But see, a lot of other quarterbacks don't. I agree. Like everything. Rodgers and Breeze ahead of them, though. You know it. Everybody's going to, and I look, Josh Allen should be in the top 10 next year, but all that being said is that's why I'm not probably going to own Devin Singletary anywhere. Mm, because that's the one problem, you're right. It's it's because it's the 20 touches, 20 touches, 20 touches at the end of the season. He was getting 20 touches. The problem is Josh Allen takes away his value just like Cam Newton took away everybody's value before Christian McCaffrey became a thing and Cam Newton started getting banged up. It's a legitimate fact. Like Mark Ingram, if not for Lamar Jackson, probably would have been a top five running back. Like you just have to factor that in. And this isn't the offense that the Ravens are. So you're I dead just, on. You're dead and he, on. Actually. And he was a top 10 running back even with Lamar Jackson. Yeah, Frank Gore, 25 red zone rushing attempts, looking at it now. Josh Allen, 21, Singletary, 19. That is the one fear, and that's the one fear I had playing him in DFS yesterday or on Saturday is that, sure, he's probably going to get the 100 yards and 20 touches, but when they get in there, you guys are both talking about it, is that Josh Allen likes to call his own number. <laughs> he had and honestly, it's touchdowns. Cam Newton from five years ago. You ready, me, you ready for me to tie this into another team? <laughs> so I honestly don't think that Devin Singletary is not going to have to deal with another Frank Gore. Maybe Jordan Howard, Chris. Ooh, <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's uh, possible. I mean, Jordan Howard's only 25 for everybody like wants to poo poo him. And like, look, we know what Jordan Howard is. You guys know I'm not no fan of Jordan. Not no fan. That's, that's good grammar right there. I'm <laughs> not, not no a fan. fan. Yeah. I'm not a fan of Jordan Howard because he's just anybody can do what he does. He takes what's given, blah, blah, blah. Like, but he's probably not back with the Eagles next year. So. I want to talk about your Eagles and close things out with that, Chris. Like, we'll talk about with the Bills when that happens in free agency, if they do draft the big guy, you know, maybe even like the Kaji Olsen type role for the Falcons. But anyway, point being, let's stick with your Eagles, assuming there is no Jordan Howard. And now the backfield is Miles Sanders and Boston Scott. Do you have any faith in Miles Sanders? And I'm going to put it as not just an RB2 because that's easy to say. I want you to say you have faith Miles Sanders can be a low-end RB1 if it's just them two. Yeah, that's, that's tough because Boston Scott reminds me a lot of Darren Sproles and, and the way that Doug Peterson has run this offense over the past couple of years. I, I don't know if Scott will go anywhere, right? And then those, those times, even early on in the season when Howard was looking good and Sanders, it was, it was all of a sudden when they got in the red zone, it was Darren Sproles getting touches and carries. So, I, I do, I'll side with yes. If it's just them two, 
Yes, I do think <laughs> that's that the Sanders, whole problem. Is it, is it ever just them two? Yeah, that's the one thing. I don't think it will be just them two. You're right. Howard is an unrestricted free agent, so they're probably going to move on for him. Despite him being actually pretty darn good this season, he was pretty productive and he was starting to trend up. But, you know, we may not have ever seen this Sanders if Howard was healthy. It's just he – I'm not saying he lucked out. He deserved the touches that he got, and he was great with them, and he was a player well, in the Well, this is like the Kareem Hunt balls, situation. But, yeah, I mean, if, if Howard – didn't suffer the shoulder injury it was probably still going to be a split backfield between the two and we yeah, may not have even i'm talking about for everybody out there i'm talking about when spencer ware went down and we we were wondering if we were going to get to see kareem hunt with the full, right. full workload and this yeah, all what happened right. so, absolutely so yeah so, i say i say sure say yes. end, but they are going to bring somebody else in they will they'll have three backs in this roster that and uh, that's fair but i i do think because Howard got hurt, they found out what they have in Miles Sanders. He finished in PPR. He finished as the number 13 running back overall. Right. So nice. there, there's no question. And that's, I mean, the first half of the season, he was barely on the field. He he had a couple touchdown plays in there, but it wasn't, the snap count wasn't there. And now that they've seen what they have in him. By the way, this I show think, is half point PPR, Chris, or Brad. Sorry. So he's the number 15 running back overall then. We'll go to the number 15 in half point. So, so he, but he's still, they, I just think their mentality changes a little bit when they have a guy who can do it all. And they've realized in the second half, he is that guy. He's, he, he was, I was watching him specifically yesterday on like blitz pickups or helping in the pass protection because that was the biggest knock on him coming out of Penn state is that he will not be on the field for third downs because he can't pass protect. He was tremendous yesterday. Yeah, like I saw him picking up blitzers like crazy. And I was like, man, he's either he, people were wrong about him or he's worked his butt off to get there, but they don't have to take him off the field. Now I realize they will, because that's Doug Peterson. They love having that third down guy, whether it's Boston Scott or they bring in somebody else. They will bring in a guy, but I think it will be more in a backup capacity. I think it, and I could see it not even being a free agent type, being like a fifth round draft pick, a sixth round draft pick, somebody there just to, you know, kind of like the Alexander Madison type of player where he's a decent running back. He's, he's going to have a purpose, but, but we're going to go into the year with Miles Sanders as our guy. And if they, I think their bigger concern for them is they've got to get wide receivers for wins to throw to. They have to find, you know, or, or and and also maybe some offensive line depth because they, well, yeah, they were well, just t- ravaged by injuries this year. That's what we're going to finish and things out with that, the wide receiver position yeah. uh, is is to talk about that. For Miles Sanders, by the way, since he started getting the double-digit carries in week nine, he was RB11 and RB13 on fancy points per game. Actually, Damian Williams jumps in front of him on points per game with his only five there to bring him <laughs> back at the full circle there. And, but, and number six in PPR. Yeah, so... so we don't care about PPR. So we're good. <laughs> so last thing, you just brought it up, Brad. Chris, like Alshon Jeffrey at this point, there's no way he's we're done. assuming he, Alshon's I mean, like, done, man. I don't know if he's completely done, but he's on, he's on the edge. He's, yeah. it's, but Greg Ward can't be your number one. Well, Zach Ertz essentially can't be your number. Zach Ertz has, Ertz has like 17 injuries he's going to deal with in the offseason. I mean, yeah. kudos to that guy for what he played through, but. Yeah, no so I want to couple it back to this passing game and close out with this. So Carson Wentz, a lot of people drafted as a fringe QB one with his breakout potential. And for what he did down the stretch, now granted it was against Miami, the Giants, the Redskins, the Cowboys. So it wasn't exactly a who's who of great pass defense, but it also was dealing with Greg Ward as his number one wide receiver. Let's give him some credit for what we thought that Carson Wentz could be. So Carson Wentz, is he in the QB one discussion next year or Chris, is it going to completely depend on if they address and how much they address this wide receiver position? Because 
George, it's JJ Arcega, and I want you to bring him up. JJ Arcega, sorry, yeah. Whiteside, has been one of the biggest busts in yesterday's game. AJ Brown, or not AJ Brown, sorry, that game, DK Metcalf, who was drafted, drafted behind him. Yeah. More yards and a touchdown in that game. Than JJ Arthur Whiteside had for the entire season. Yeah, and and remember when we had this conversation? And I think it was when Deshaun Jackson hurt his thumb in preseason. I said, "Oh, let let's keep an eye. He may actually have an opportunity this season." To he's like, "Okay, well, maybe some other guys need to drop down this offense." This guy had the best opportunity of all time. Are you kidding me? Everybody They're got pulling it. off guys off practice squads, and they still couldn't find a way to get him involved. He made a couple decent catches over the last few games, but Wentz didn't go his way. Yeah, he was a big. Big disappointment, especially like you just said. DK Metcalf had, you know, what he did in that game was more than what JJ did all year. And Metcalf, man, a lot of teams are probably kicking themselves right now, passing on him. I mean, he looks like uh, an absolute player. But yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if they'll just move on from Alshon, but I think he's what they got from Alshon a couple of years ago when they won the Super Bowl is more than they could ever like hope for and dream of because Alshon has been. Let's be honest. I mean, even in his Chicago days, he had one really solid campaign, but it was always just something with him. And it seemed to be soft tissue. It just, in the shoulder, he plays through that in the Super Bowl. And then he just numerous injuries. He looked really, really, really slow this season when he was playing and he was healthy. He couldn't get separation. So it'd be interesting to see what they do with their wideouts. But this is, they want to run the two tight end set. They did it with, maybe that was a bit of Frank Reich when they drafted Goddard. They're going to use both of those guys. I think Dallas Goddard will still be, um, a big part of the offense, even with Zach Ertz. So I, I don't know. I'm not going to be in on Jackson. I'm not going to be on in on um, Alshon. I think there's some work to do. I don't know if it's through free agency or drafting another guy, but I think we'll see a change with the wide receiver core because like Aguilar too, like that just get rid of him. Yeah, Aguilar's terrible. Um, but I, I think the whole key to this offense was having Deshaun Jackson go out because you saw it, it in week one. one. He was yeah. right. He was a monster in week one and it opened up the whole rest of the field for everybody else, including Ertz or, or Goddard or everybody underneath. When you've got that guy that can take the top off and they didn't have that from week two on, like they, they could not throw the ball deep because they didn't have anybody that could beat any quarterbacks deep. And getting Deshaun Jackson back next year, assuming he's healthy, I think that's going to be a big lift for this offense. I'm I'm not saying I would rank Carson Wentz in the top 12, but if I'm in a super flex, I want him as my number two quarterback because I think there's an immense amount of upside there, that, and I won't have to draft him as a QB1. He'll probably be as a, around a QB15, and if I can get that guy in the, the 13th, 14th round that might give me QB1 upside, especially on, our, on a given week, then, yeah, that's who I want. Um, you know, it's my second QB for sure. Well, Jake, he finishes as a QB one without those guys, right? Like he was a QB one this year. He set an NFL <laughs> record, first quarterback ever to throw for four thousand yards and not have one wide with five hundred. hundred yards. So, I mean, he's he was a QB one this year with that kind of production, like out of his wideouts. So, yeah, and this is the wide this year. is the wide receiver class to find it too. So, it's... yeah, they haven't been good at drafting wideouts. I'll say that. No, that's the only thing they that they really those, seem, you know, sure. seem, seem to miss all the time. But we, uh, well, I hopefully won't miss on so many picks in the second round when we come back <laughs> on Wednesday. At least you guys had the Titans, so there you go. You, what did you, I guess I'm assuming you guys Seattle, went two, two for two. Two for four. Two for four on the day, on the weekend. Seattle, yeah, I was two yes. for four also. Yeah, so you guys won better than me. And, Does it uh, matter? It's the Saints are out. <laughs> Got to pick a new I, Super Bowl winner now. No, because they still have three of the teams left. We still have Kansas City, Baltimore, and San Francisco, so. Three of them, three of the four are still there. Yeah, and it's possible that, that Green Bay or Minnesota, it, it, whoever 
you know, if one of those teams comes out of there, which I guess if Minnesota wins, then it would knock San Francisco out. But if Green Bay wins, then you still have a potential for, for a really good conference championship weekend. I don't think we've ever seen a 5-6 matchup either, and it's possible. No, they haven't. Seattle, they haven't, yeah. It's very possible. Yeah, I kind of hope not. <laughs> the Seattle deserve to lose that game. If you Seattle took that much struggles to get through the Eagles, yes. Oh my God. Like, that's another one. Like, how were you not just passing, 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 passing against that secondary? But anyway, uh, hopefully they don't pass on Wednesday's show. We'll be back. We'll do those. We have some more awards that we didn't get to from last week that we'll get to and finish off at Brad Zebler for Brad, at Chris Mini for Chris, at all I get for myself. And to go back to the show, the athletic.com, the throwback slash the throwback, you get 40% off of everything at the athletic the entire year. So enjoy it. We'll see you Wednesday.